All right, today we're going to talk about some summer fun. I feel like last week when we were talking about Woodstock, that was already one kind of summer fun. But we've got to talk about a rock and roll themed theme park that failed twice in a row, two years in a row, and then closed. So, you know, the the extremely well-considered rock-themed summer events just keep on rolling around here. But before that, we got to talk about uh, an insurrection, I would say, Alex, against our president. The real resistance. Aging rock stars, our favorite subjects, are getting ornery against our brave, beautiful president. And it's funny to see the replies to these tweets. Uh, Axl Rose started it, I think. He was fighting with Steve Mnuchin on Twitter like a couple months ago. (laughs) I don't know how long ago that was. It could have been a year ago or it could have been two weeks ago. Either one would make sense. Was Steve Mnuchin actually, like, replying to him? Yeah, he was doing a quote tweet dunk on Axl Rose. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Hell yeah. And Sebastian Bach from Skid Row and Dee Snyder. The replies are so great because it's all QAnon people, (laughs) like, replying to Sebastian Bach. What Sebastian Bach said yesterday was if you support donald trump you stand against rock and roll and every musician in america who has been put out of work because a reality television show host doesn't believe in science which i agree yeah Yeah, that's true yeah someone saying those who scream the loudest washed up one hit wonder sebastian bach objectively not true yeah he has just shown who he really is pedo would hashtag these people are sick (laughs) Pedo would, I, they know that like the QAnon community knows that like, Ghislaine Maxwell has just been denied bail. Like, do they have any thoughts on, on, the Epstein case, or are they just purely focused on their own psychosis? Trump had nothing to do with it. He saw Epstein once, but didn't know any of the stuff that was going on. And once he found out about it, he got out of there and. Reported the Clintons, Epstein though, to the police. Guilty, but yeah, but out. only the Clintons, not Trump at all. Right. Trump had nothing to do with it. All those pictures are fake. Right. Okay. There's a tweet about that from Sebastian Bach where it's a quote tweet of a picture of Trump and Melania with Epstein and Ghislaine. And there's a reply to it, but Trump's never been to the pedophile island. P E D E. Sebastian Bach, you probably have. Panic, panic, panic. Your day is coming. Suicide weekend coming soon. Keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. Trump with the master chess move. Pain is coming. (laughs) So this person believes that Sebastian Bach from Skid Row has been to the Epstein Island, but Donald Trump hasn't. And... Sebastian Bach is going to be executed by the U.S. military for treason. Fuck. Panic in Hollywood. Pain is coming, Sebastian Bach. You pedophiles will pay for what you've done to children. Karma is a bitch. 
pedo wood is really mad that the world realized they are non-essential and a bunch of sick people and then blame their president for their worthlessness you can't make this shit up hashtag hollywood is over hashtag buy pedo wood hashtag we are the news now hashtag where we go one we go all pedo wood are the, oh, are the like uh, real non-essential workers yeah it took me like three references to understood that understand that pedo wood is hollywood oh i thought it was its own neighborhood it's a it's a suburb of uh, Los Angeles. That's where they all live. Yeah, Petowood. Yeah, they should just have their own neighborhood. And uh, I saw some at Tommy Lee, because Tommy Lee did this last year where he was saying "fuck Trump," the orange Mussolini, <laughs> and then everyone was getting mad at him. Someone replied to Tommy Lee, "Do they have sealed indictments on you? The loudest have the most to lose." They're sealed <laughs> indictments against Tommy Lee. For sure. <laughs> oh, someone calling uh, Sebastian Bach a baby eater. What, a, a baby eater? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> someone replying Tommy Lee, some woman named Sherry, who's just someone's aunt. When Q is done, you and your ilk won't be able to show your face in public. If demon rats still have a party after what's coming, it will be <laughs> eons before rats. Americans ever accept them or trust them. Oh, my God. Well, I mean... My favorite, like, type of Democrat response to this is, let's get all these washed-up rock stars to run for, for office as Democrats. Exactly. That would rock. Yeah. That would be awesome. I, uh... I... I found out last week that the QAnon, the latest QAnon uh, brain spore, is that they they believe uh, they believe in the uh, what are they called the Elohim, the the giants that preceded humans, that humans used to be uh, literal giants walking the earth. God, it's so cool. It's just like a conspiracy theory Katamari where you can just lump anything into it and they're gonna fall for it hook, line, and sinker every time. Well, it's a, I, I, yeah, it's like an old Christian fundamentalist uh, sort of pretzel logic thing to square evolution and it just rests on the the science the science behind it is that during the time of the dinosaurs uh the atmosphere was more heavily oxygenated which made things get big and uh because because people lived uh alongside the dinosaurs those people were also big and um the vatican and uh big science has been traveling the globe uh taking these giant skeletons that are buried uh, giant human skeletons buried in the earth and dropping them at the bottom of the ocean so no one can look at them i love how conspiracy theorists always imagine government to be extremely efficient at stuff like that <laughs> yes but then extremely inefficient at anything that would help people like you know administering health care it's like no the government can't do that but they can disappear all of these artifacts <laughs> from everywhere around the globe yes they can't make a website they can't make a website that they can get rid of the uh, the the skeletons of uh, our angel progenitors, you know. Why is the Vatican in on this? Well, the Vatican is in on it uh, because I guess it contradicts uh, their. Actually, I don't know, man. It doesn't make any sense. I thought they were creationist officially. Yeah, they are. Uh, but this is like but, a new kind of semi-creationism. You're saying, right? Like it's still creationism, but there's a yeah. weird evolutionary logic to it or yeah and maybe it uh, contradicts like uh you know biblical but i have no idea i don't know i don't know I don't it's very they, they funny to try probably. to uh combine creationism with science we're using scientific uh concepts to retroactively justify 
dinosaurs and humans living at the same time and all this stuff. Yeah, it just requires... It leads to a lot of great ideas. Totally. It, you, you have to twist yourself so much that you have to get extremely creative and, like... Do you guys know about that creation museum in uh, Kentucky where they actually have, like, these big exhibits of, like, Jesus walking alongside dinosaurs and shit? Yes. <laughs> I've always wanted to go there. I know, me too. It's so, like, bizarre. I think it'd probably be extremely depressing to actually see it, but it... It would probably be kind of sobering in some way. I wonder what percentage of the people that visit there are just going to laugh at it. And if the people that run it are, you know, like aware of that and ha- and are kind of like planning for that, you know? Yeah, I wonder. I'm not sure it's like proximity to Louisville or somewhere where people might be more left leaning than wherever it is, you know? Yeah, because like if that existed in Victoria, B.C. or somewhere near where I grew up, I would as a teenager, I would just go there and drop acid and wander around like I did with the uh, yeah. <laughs> Royal British Columbia Museum, which was really good for that. But I'd way rather go see dinosaurs hanging out with uh, like yeah. uh, cavemen. Yeah. yeah, I would love to try to get into that mindset where you could think that's real. Alex, do you have any other good examples for us from Twitter here? Something that I've noticed that's weird is that they they've seemed to have made Chris Cornell a martyr QAnon? For like QAnon? QAnon people? What really? Yeah. How does how the fuck does that work? I think it's because in Hunger Strike he says they're farming babies. Uh, oh <laughs> my fucking god. <laughs> He's saying that stuff Man. about blood and all that. Yeah. And he died. So they're like yeah, I see people's bios where they have Chris Cornell in their bio and people posting uh, hunger strike lyrics and hashtag justice for Chris. So I guess they assume he was murdered by the deep state. So this is all just hinging on the their farming babies line? It must be. Because they, they believe... that and he died and... They should do this for Kurt Cobain um, for the sell the kids for food line yeah, totally. in, in Bloom. Oh, yeah. You need, in utero. You need to, uh, Alex, you need to inject that into the Q discourse. Yeah, I want to make them deify all these different rock stars. I can't imagine it would be hard, right? Like, it seems like that's where most of this shit come from, comes from in my own reading. Is just like It's probably just like 4chan style trolls just saying shit and all these old people just believe it, right? Yeah, Yeah, you can just inject something into it and it's just... Because they've all gotten rid of the concept of, like, fact-checking stuff or finding another source or, like, thinking about it at all. So they just see something and they think, oh, that's true. Right. Unless it's a lib. And and, uh, ideology and conspiracy is kind of metastasized beyond, like, something that has, like, a beginning, a middle, and and a possible end. It's like... It's grown yeah. to, it's one of those conspiracies that encompasses like all thought. It's all, it's almost like an ideology now. Like, like it's just hoovered up every, every bit of information for these people. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just an ideology that has no specific purpose or end game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's com- just completely spinning around in a wheel. Like it's incredible. What a fucking, what an amazing time to be alive. What's interesting about this stuff is that all of these people were presumably conservative most of their lives. Mm -hmm. They're definitely Democrats who went down the QAnon hole, 
not like partisan Democrats, but maybe people who voted for Clinton or whatever. Um, but I, I have to assume most of these people were like Reagan voters. Yeah. 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 Or at yeah, least came sure. from conservative families like that. And the people in these bands in the 80s were not Reagan voters. No. These were like they were all always probably Democrats because that's what you did in L.A. Whenever, no matter what decade it was, all these people were uh, hedonist libertine sickos. <laughs> and that didn't matter to them. They would listen to that music and they wouldn't really think about it. But it's interesting how they've become radicalized and that's made them become hyper aware of the political leanings of these different musicians. Yeah. yeah. Where before In the most it didn't superficial matter, way they, like, imaginable, though. They think Tommy Lee is uh, running a child harvesting operation. In Sebastian Bach eats babies. Yeah. These people who just 40 years ago they were listening to that shit and not thinking about it at all. Because conservatives can't really think about that and be functional. They can't tune out entirely any culture that's made by libs because that's pretty much every TV show, every band that's on the radio that isn't country. And even then, a lot of those people are like, they're not, they're like very nonpartisan. Yeah. That's probably honestly why the conservative movement in the U.S. is so extreme. Like, I mean, not the upper echelons of it, but like just the average people who vote Republican, they're so obsessed with cultural things because they're hyper aware of the fact that their culture doesn't get broadcast that much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They've, they're so much more aware of it now that all yeah, these people, because Trump, is, shit because Trump has made it so much more apparent. Like with Bush... Stuff like that would happen where people were angry enough at Bush that random celebrities would say, fuck Bush. Yeah. Like the Dixie Chicks. But yeah. with Trump, every celebrity who isn't conservative is saying, fuck Trump. A, and they're all freaking out. It's a way easier target than Bush. Like, Yeah. Because what can they watch now? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just makes them more and more insane because then they don't watch TV. They don't watch these movies because Alec Baldwin only drinks child blood or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that means they spend more time on Facebook or they spend more time on the QAnon gab board or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then they go farther down the hole and they're more and more isolated because everyone who isn't on yeah, their little forum no is a pedophile. no idea what world they're in. Like, yes. Yeah. They're so far outside their ability to like swim in the waters of the internet. The parse information even like, yeah. It's it's weird. I've been reading uh, Gravity's Rainbow again, the Thomas Pinchon book, and uh, and reading a lot of like. Uh, oh, you of, couldn't do it in one day. Yeah, no. I, did it in, I read it in two hours. It's I'm uh, kind of a light read for me. I'm not very. It's, it's really easy. It's like a children's book almost. I, I'm not very smart. Like I have to I have to go really slow, just a page at a time, you know. And then I take a little nap, and then I read another page. But uh, it's like Good Night Moon for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, Infinite Jest is like, yeah, is like just Shel Silverstein for me. You know? It's a pamphlet. It's a pamphlet. I read that shit for breakfast. Um, but I, yeah, I've been reading it and uh, reading like sort of some discourse, like discourse of the time around it. 
And it's really interesting to see like the hippie movement go into full black pilled conspiracy thinking in the in the 70s where you know they were thinking about MK Ultra which would turn out to be completely true uh pretty much everything they were paranoid about turned out to be true but they drove themselves crazy and I feel like the conservatives are kind of having a similar like cultural moment of like just pure nihilistic conspiracy theory but there's no there's maybe like there's maybe like an overriding truth to it, you know, like the the abuse. Yeah, of, but all the details are wrong. But That's all exactly the de- right. All the details are completely wrong. Yeah, like, like we were saying earlier, Epstein is that guy. Like Epstein is the celebrity pedophile piece of shit. The real thing's right there. We already know it. But they need yeah, to make up obvious. that like Sebastian Bach is this guy for no fucking reason. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're so far off the deep end. They have they have like it. What they believe rhymes with the truth. But they just have no ability to like ver- verify what's true anymore, man. The thing is, if you're realistic about it, it's not as fun. Yes. When you just look at it and say, oh, Epstein, he was just protected by the justice system and no one's really going to answer for any of that stuff that he did or any of the celebrity pedophiles. They're all just kind of kind of skate because they've got good lawyers and they have connections and there's nothing we can really do about it. That's not fun. But yeah. it's when like when you think that the military is going to do these the mass hangings on the Washington Mall of all the celebrities. That's a lot more fun. Yeah. yeah. It's not as pessimistic. And you don't have to do the boring work of learning about anything cuz you can just assume it's going to happen and you don't have to like interrogate why you think that or or how you think it's going to happen or really put anything in any kind of historical context like it just yeah you just have to read posts and then make posts yourself QAnon doesn't post enough QAnon needs has to anyone done more. anything yet that's like a uh, Ozymandias from Watchmen but for posts where you're just scrolling through like 40 different Twitter feeds reading all of them at once <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining like a like a minority report type situation, but it's like 10 Microsoft Surface tablets open at the same time and a boomer just like frantically scroll. (laughs) That's what those Q streams on YouTube look like. It's the worst stream layout ever where it's just, it almost looks like the the Matrix computers. All (laughs) these lines of text and just misaligned things and then a little square where it's some guy in a trailer (laughs) and people just watch that 24 hours a day yeah and they're getting smarter as they watch it there's an aesthetic to that type of like um that type of like fervor that you you see in like old pamphlets too because i've watched some of those streams and they kind of remind me of like like old like really out there anarchist pamphlets or like LaRouche pamphlets you know it's got the it gives you the same like itchy brain feeling when you look at it there's just too much shit going on it's all ugly yeah definitely I think the musical aesthetic of that is um John Acapinti who we were watching on the stream the cops for Trump (laughs) actually I guess it's just not even busy it would have to be busier to really match that aesthetic but yeah I want to figure out how he gets that vocal effect because I want to use that dude I know actually me and Joel talked about it a lot and we have some theories but I think we got to do a whole episode about that later because there's a lot to get into with him I'm looking at the Patriot soapbox 24 hour 
QAnon stream, and the guy who's hosting it looks exactly like Tommy Chong. <laughs> <laughs> He's racist Tommy Chong. How do we know it's not Tommy Chong? It could be. Maybe he uh, he got a a bad dose of weed. Yeah, I've he heard OD'd about those. on weed and it gave him a stroke. <laughs> yeah. He got a hot, hot shot of weed. Yeah, someone gave him a nug that was way too spicy. Yeah. They should have strains of weed that have like a moral dimension to them where smoking it makes you either a good guy or a bad guy the more you do it. That's what indica and sativa are. Yeah. Indica is uh, evil weed. <laughs> this will make you evil. It'll make you want to do bad things and treat people badly. <laughs> Sativa is the good weed. This will make you nice. This is what the that's, Buddha smoked. That's what Merlin was smoking, dude. Yeah. That's what was in his big, big old They killed pipe. Merlin because he was on to the fact that um, King Arthur and all, them were, and all the knights were pedophiles, so they had to kill him. It's camel at QAnon. I wonder if there's any Holy Grail stuff being assimilated into that. I think... There should be. I think there's kind of Holy Grail stuff. I don't know, is QAnon into, like, esoteric Hitlerism yet or anything like that? Like the sort of uh, occult end of Nazism, which is a big component of a lot of conspiracy theories? And I think they're still superficially anti-Nazi. They're still on like the social uh, Nazis were socialists, and we're against yeah. that right. line. Okay. It, you know, a great thing to to derail the Q movement would be to inject uh, just a few milligrams of like, hey, check out this shit on uh, esoteric Hitlerism and the and the quest for the Grail and like rune magic, and maybe like rat lines, like everything everything that is. Uh, real you know like like these like like operation gladio all that shit just just inject a bit of that into the q discourse i actually think if i was going to inject anything into the uh q discourse i would just start being like did you know that barack obama and joe biden support private health care and it's because all these private health care companies are pedophiles <laughs> and the only way we can stop them is to have universal care through a single payer and Donald Trump right now is that, you know, he is the government. So if Donald Trump handles healthcare, it's going to be good. Trump care. Yeah. Let him, let him pass. When you go to the doctor and they draw blood, that blood is being sold to private healthcare companies. Who are farming. So they can put it into a child's asshole. Yeah. You're complicit. Satanic rituals. That's what Aetna does. There must be some holy blood, holy grail stuff getting in there. Yeah, there has to be. That was a very mainstream conspiracy theory, the Da Vinci Code stuff. Yeah, it was that that was because of all those Dan Brown books, right? That was like Yeah, it was all about like it was like Umberto Echo Light. Yeah, yeah, it was like Foucault's pendulum for like airport reading or whatever. Yeah, like these like uh medieval mysticism things esoteric things and that was very mainstream and that was like not a, i i remember reading the da vinci code when i was 13 and it's not a bad book like it's very successful for what it's trying to be it's obviously very stupid and it's based on like one of the dumbest ideas ever that jesus historically was like magic and then he had children and there's this sacred bloodline. But someone 2,000 years ago 
if they put their bloodline out there, that's going to get into every single person in the population. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like Genghis Khan was over a thousand years later, and everyone in Asia is descended from Genghis Khan. So everyone would be descended from Jesus. So it would be completely meaningless that there's some secret bloodline or whatever. It makes no sense. But in the in the books, do they? It's it's like a vast conspiracy by the Vatican to suppress this information because it's like like Gnostic brain poison or whatever, right? Like, yeah. I remember I saw ten minutes, the first ten minutes of the Da Vinci Code movie in a movie theater in Finland, after spending the whole day uh, drinking beers in a sauna, and I went with a bunch of my friends. Uh, and I immediately fell asleep, and so did everyone else. And we basically all wo- <laughs> and we all woke up after the credits had rolled, and the usher was like, uh, "You guys have to leave." But I re- I also remember the movie in Finnish is called Da Vinci Code, which is pretty funny somehow. But yeah, so I've seen ten minutes of uh, Da Vinci Code. I just imagine you saw the title card and then fell right asleep. <laughs> I was so tired and full of beer and sausages and they've been sitting in a sauna all day <laughs> well maybe we should um transition to another magical place myrtle beach south carolina that's right arguably everyone there is descended from jesus they're all descended from strom thurmond yeah in another thousand years everyone will have been descended from strom thurmond <laughs> he got it in yeah no one could deny that strom thurmond could get it and he did and uh, he was looking nice even when he was 100. That's right. Yeah, why do you think uh, Joe Biden liked working with him so much? He's got that uh is his wingman there. Lich bod. Hot lich bod. He had that supple skin. But, you know, we got to go all the way back to the previous economic recession in 2008 to get into Freestyle Music Park or also it's Hard Rock Park, right? Like this place was only open for like three months of two different years, and it had two different names in that time. It's It was Hard Rock Park first, right? Yeah, you're right. So as Hard Rock Park, it was open from April 15th of 2008 till September 24th. So it had a good, you know, one, four months. One season in the sun, basically. Yeah, and it was supposed to be like a much longer season, but they cut it short. Then the next year it got bought out, and they also had to cut it short, I think. Like, it reopened in May of the next year and then closed really quickly. But Is this related like a, to Hard Rock Cafe? Yeah, the first year it was. It was like, let's put a popular brand name on a new theme park and it's going to be as big as Disney World, you know? A couple of days ago, I remembered someone retweeted a long time ago. It might have been www.youtube on Twitter. Kevin Mitnick, who is like the most wanted hacker in 1994... He was like public enemy number one because he hacked into some server uh-huh. at a company. And now all he does is go to Hard Rock Cafe. You can search <laughs> his name on Twitter and Hard Rock Cafe. And it's just like, I'm in the Hard Rock Cafe in Pittsburgh. This place rocks. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to go to every single Hard Rock Cafe. It's like baseball stadiums to him. but It's like such a funny thing sadder. to just want to go to every single chain restaurant amazing it's the same that's the whole point yeah i want to visit every mcdonald's i want to i want to play in uh every house of blues <laughs> that's where the blues was invented that's right by dan Aykroyd. yeah 
draw up like a really ridiculous tour, like a Byzantine tour where you're just flying like (laughs) halfway across the country to get to another house of blues. Yeah. House of blues, St. Louis. House of blues. This is where the exact spot where Eric Clapton invented the blues in 1965. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is the house of blues where Hoobastank played a epic two and a half hour concert. They played the recent 26 times. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, with the, with that, um, it's hard to even know what to call it because it had two names in two years, but with like that rock theme park, uh, the plans were put together in 03 and then to dismantle it, I think it took to like 2014 ish. So it was like 12 years of planning to have like eight months of being open. Yeah, it was a, it was a long time in the making and it seems like it was put together by, it wasn't like the singular vision of one person and, and it really, you can really tell when you start looking at like what kind of rides they have and the different, because it's divided up into different areas. There's like, God, like reggae waterfall area and like, yeah, none That's of it. what happens when like conglomerates of investors get together to make money. It, it has all the charm of like uh, of of like a San Jose strip mall, you know, like yeah, <laughs> and like the opening like concert for it was played by the Eagles and the Moody Blues, and I feel like that kind of tells you the trajectory it was already on of like the kind of like dipshit investor mindset of let's get people who love. Or like compare it to like Disney World of the the way that people fucking love Mickey Mouse. Let's find people who love the Moody Blues that much and let's market to them aggressively. Yeah, yeah. but they had a Moody, Moody Blues, Blues heads. They had a Moody yeah. Blues themed ride that was like their uh, star attraction was the Knights in White Satin ride, which uh, had like scarecrows. Uh, it was like a roller coaster that was flanked by metal scarecrows that shot flames into the sky. It's su- <laughs> it's subtitled "The Trip," "Nights Dude. in White Satin," "The Trip." <laughs> Were they even really psychedelic? Not really. They're not really. Not at all. They're like orchestral rock. It was like uh, a baroque pop. You tried to make yeah, it's baroque pop exactly. It wasn't it's really totally psychedelic. It. No. Yeah, it's kind of like the to other stuff going on in 1968. It's like the least interesting Pink Floyd song with like all the rough edges sanded off. Yeah. yeah. But um, the Associated Press travel editor, Beth Harpez, said it was one of the all-time best rides at any park. Uh-huh. Um, Why is the Associated then, Press paying someone to go on roller coasters? <laughs> that was... You know, those heady days of just hitting the first uh, recession of our lives. Yeah, nothing. I mean, come on. Nothing else was going on in 2008. There was it wasn't like there was a, a war that had been going for what, seven, six, seven years. Uh, there was. Yeah, there wasn't a massive uh, apocalyptic recession happening in the U.S. They had to they had to make news somehow. So roller coasters. It was the good times. Yeah, I commend them. And Wikipedia it says that that. Um, the Moody Blues ride. It was a dark ride that incorporated visual effects, digital CGI, and special effects with sights, sound, and smells. I'm sorry, digital CGI? <laughs> digital <laughs> computer generated CGI yeah. made yeah. with a computer digitally. <laughs> it's on a computer. That sounds pretty high tech. <laughs> and the best thing is that they just re, like when that um, the second company took over the next year, 
they just rebranded that ride as the Monstars of Rock. It just seems even stupider. That was just completely detached from anything concrete. Oh, man. Isn't that a trademark from Space Jam? Yeah, they should have got their asses sued. Actually, I was going to say they should have got their asses sued, but they did get sued by like 10 different groups. The first, like the Hard Rock ownership, sued the second group of owners for uh, intellectual property reasons. Then they had all these investors suing them. and like So they should have just piled one more lawsuit on top of the pile. It's it's hard for me to kind of I, I watched a like a weird sort of promo video by a British theme park fan on on this park and it's hard for me to see what they got sued for exactly like a lot of it is you know it's it's pretty broad themes like they have a they have a British invasion pavilion this this area called the British invasion so there's like a ride that has sort of London style taxis and then it just plays Gary Newman's cars on loop. That was a ride. And then they <laughs> and then they had an outdoor stage called uh <laughs> called Phonehenge uh which is <laughs> I have to uh, it's hard to explain but basically it's a shitty small round stage with a couple of facsimiles of like London telephone booths like you see in Doctor Who. Yeah, like the little red booths. But there are, I'm looking at a picture of it now, there are two of them on the stage. And the stage is pretty small and this this was like, a, it was called Phonehenge and they would have bands play there all day long. That's kind of insulting to Stonehenge. Yeah. Like at least in the Spinal Tap thing where it's too small, and in the thing that ex- inspired it, where Black Sabbath had a Stonehenge that was too big and it, they couldn't get it through the door to the venue, at least those were ambitious. Yeah, there at was least a those had some respect for the majesty of Stonehenge. But I think Phonehenge actually matches like the corporate culture of the park, right? <laughs> of like, you sell it as like this grand thing, but then you have you know the way it actually follows through is very depressing. Yeah. Yeah, like the the sign hanging over the British invasion section is it looks like spray painted liquid metal, and the A in invasion is an anarchy symbol uh, with the British flag painted <laughs> on it. <laughs> God damn! Ooh, as an interesting counterexample to Phonehenge, though. The park also included an amphitheater with a 10,000 person capacity, featuring live daily shows. Yeah, what was it? John Stewart intending to book ten thousand people every day. Who was fucking playing there? That's a good question. I have to imagine that's where the Eagles and Moody Blues played on the first day. But after that, who the fuck is gonna even play like one like tenth of that capacity? Even that's like generous. Yeah, yeah. I need to. We we need to do some deep research and find out the other bands that played at the amphitheater. It says here a feasibility study predicted three million visitors a year in the park's first year. <laughs> that's one percent uh, of the population of the United States. That seems impossible to me. That seems unfeasible. One in a hundred well, people is going to this park in the first. Maybe year. there was one person who wanted to go there every day for 120 days a year. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you need a lot less people. You can get an annual pass for sixty four ninety five. Yeah, so especially you could if go that there pass, every day. If that pass gets you into a ten thousand cap venue every day to see uh, superstar bands performing, pretty good deal. Oh my god! Uh, so in the second year that it was open, after it changed hands, 
a lot of those a lot of those like original pavilions got got kind of swapped around and uh i guess like myrtle beach previously rock and roll heaven became a quote tongue-in-cheek celebration of all things polynesian Oof. which is pretty hard what does tongue-in-cheek mean uh racist i think it means racist <laughs> just making fun of them yeah uh british invasion r.i.p became across the pond and um cool country which was their like country area which i saw some footage of it it's just like if you imagine like utility sheds where they've sort of bolted on like pieces of tin to make them look like giganticized shacks like that was that was the vibe for cool country so that became country usa and then they added uh something called CSI Live that was moved from Six Flags Magic Mountain. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> Everything's classic rock themed except the CSI ride. What is the CSI ride? I don't know. I don't know. Is it like corpses? It's just the beginning of those three Who songs like stitched together on a loop, maybe. Yeah, it still you're has going the through, music uh, from the You're first going thing. through an autopsy like Osmosis Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and if you got hungry, you could eat at um, what looks like just like hell on earth uh, rockabilly barbecue. Hell yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think on the CSI ride, they should, um, you should have to get strapped into like a chalk outline, you know? Yeah. So rockabilly food is just, that's code for food white people made in the 50s. Yeah. It's like, uh, Ambr- which is not appetizing. Ambrosia salad, um, a casserole that has like uh, whole wieners in it. Um, yeah, jello a with meat you can in it. Share with your best gal. Yeah, uh, a, like a bottle of uh, cheap wine that's got like uh, two envelopes of speed poured in it. You know, mayonnaise popsicles. <laughs> mayonnaise popsicles. <laughs> Dan, you were talking about how cool country became country USA, which is great. Uh, profitable rebranding but i'm looking at the list of like what those original names were for the um first year the park was open yeah and along with cool country they had like british invasion lost in the 70s born in the usa and the best one was the all access entry plaza though that was the gift shop so cool so they yeah so the all access entry plaza was actually like it was supposed to be like oh yeah you've got the all access pass you you can go anywhere you want. You're with the band, man. And then you go to the like basically a merch corral where you could buy shit <laughs> before like, before you even got in the park. Like, can you imagine <laughs> if ba- actual bands were as cynical as these types of investors? Like, <laughs> a v- the this VIP ticket that you paid a bunch of money for, you can just come to this other merch booth, and we're gonna sell you more shit. No lines, no wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got to talk about the, the entrance to the park, like before the all access plaza too, because it has, uh, it has some lyrics, uh, in bla- Oh yeah. This might be the best thing to me. This is my favorite thing too. You, you, you tell it. <laughs> so it's just like some really shitty looking like brick. What would you call? Oh wait, the underside of it deserves talking about too, but it's just like this shitty, like brick bridge that you enter under and it says, here we are now entertain us. Nirvana. (laughs) 
And like, what would you call that font? It's just like a really shitty, like serif. It looks I, like I've been thinking about this since we started the episode because I've been staring at this picture, but it looks like they were going for the typewriter font, which would kind of make sense. But the font package that they had uh, didn't have like a proper typewriter font for. So it's yeah, it's like a serif font. Uh, the nerv like Nirvana is in all caps, but like very, yeah. very small. You couldn't even put Kurt Cobain. <laughs> yeah. so, it looks like what you would print on a greeting card for like your shit, or like a birthday card for like your shitty sixteen-year-old son who you don't understand. And then underneath that, as you walk through the little bridge thing, you've got this amazing. Uh, fresco do you call it a fresco i don't even know what a fresco is i'm just guessing here. that's a fresco yeah um you've got god touching his finger with that guy adam whoever that guy it's a was. rockabilly adam <laughs> yeah exactly he's got like a a semi elvis haircut and there's electricity between him and god's fingers and Adam's got like a shitty gold Les Paul, which actually we were just making fun of gold Les Pauls on the uh, live stream, I think. He got this shitty looking Les Paul. He's got a tri and, tribal uh, tattoo on his uh, on his left, uh, very well defined bicep. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. That's <laughs> goddamn. That's so fun. That's amazing too. Like that's what the people who open this park think rock music is. Is like a shitty generic tribal tattoo. Whoever painted this wants to fuck that guy. I mean, the yeah. <laughs> It's, there's a there's a sort of um, loving detail applied to Rockabilly Adam that is not applied to uh, who's ever standing in for God. That's actually maybe the most amazing thing about the theme park now that I think about it is it seems like something you would have made 200 years in the future if you're reading about this stuff as if it was like ancient history. But if you lived through this, how could you misinterpret it so poorly? Yes, it's like it, it's it is like it's like a a monument to like American popular culture in the mid to late twentieth century, built by uh, like a colonizing alien race that lands and there's just like there's like there's nothing here and they have to sift through the wreckage and re reconfigure it. It's it's yeah. it's, it's insane. <laughs> Like God, God's angels have. Uh, I think. I think God's angels are supposed to be groupies. Actually, I'm just realizing that the angels surrounding God. Yeah, they've got sunglasses on and shit. They're all like groping him, sort of. Yeah, fucking rockabilly Adam. Then they have a great bit once you get inside the park. After that, it's like a rack that you would put a bunch of guitars on, and it says "Free Air Guitars," and there's no guitars there. Oh, sweet. Good bit. Dan, I can't even tell what band is that in that photo that you clipped from the documentary about this place. I don't they're holding know. holding guitars like they're shovels, like they're breaking ground. I think that might be the Moody Blues, but I'm, I'm not it sure. It'd have to be either them or the Eagles, but I don't know what either band looks like, so I don't give a it's shit. Defi it's definitely, I don't think it's the Eagles. Um, Afros and mustaches. Yeah. And it's five white guys with afros and mustaches. It's either the Eagles or the Moody Blues. <laughs> so it doesn't I'm help. I'm seeing nary, yeah. nary a mustache and nary an afro. I don't know. Ooh. if you if, A lot of sunglasses. If you look closely at the footage, it's uh, it's kind of blurry, but it's... Uh, so th they're holding guitars, and the guitars have, have shovels uh, taped to the headstock. So um, they're, they're, breaking they're ground. literally breaking ground on the park. 
It's it just looks so forced and and awful. I think it's good to me. This is my culture right here. Yeah, I didn't send it to you guys, but I'm looking at a photo of the uh, of the of the opening with the uh, with the investors standing around a, a placard that just says Hard Rock Park Myrtle Beach, and it's the least rock and roll looking group of people you've ever, it's just a bunch of like very sunburned white dudes in suits. The thing about placards is that they have to be set up in remembrance of something in the past. You can't put up a placard that says, we just set this up today. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good Yeah, point. in a way they, in a way they kind of, fucked themselves because they set the placard up and then the park immediately failed in under a year, you know? Yeah, Dan, I think you're saying those guys are like the least rock and roll looking guys, but I think they're the most rock and roll looking guys <laughs> because that placard is to commemorate them killing that genre. Yeah, yeah. The photo was taken and the most sunburned guy walked towards the camera and said, uh, "Have you, do you ever have the feeling that you've been cheated? And then uh, gave him the finger and it was just like super punk rock. Damn. There's actually even more positive reviews of this place when it opened. Uh, the Times of London writer Chris Haslam concluded that America's newest theme park uh, brought the genre sly wit. What? <laughs> How can you be a British? He must be talking about Phonehenge. Can you be a fucking British person and then go to like... like uh... Go to the British Invasion Pavilion and look at Phonehenge and be like... This is good. This is a good uh, interpretation of our culture. I like it. This is rather irreverent yeah. and sly. Yeah. Making any sort of stage decoration with Stonehenge, unironically, how is that still going on? I thought we closed the book on that one. <laughs> Making <laughs> a Stonehenge guys, on stage. Yeah. They never saw Spinal Tap, and they had the idea themselves fresh. That didn't make it into conventional wisdom, I guess. So the Times of London guy goes to this theme park, goes to the British pavilion, looks around and is like, oh, this is a great dig at British culture. And then looks at the American stuff and doesn't understand it because he doesn't have the proper cultural context. And he's like, wow, this is great, really accurate. And then goes home yeah. <laughs> and writes a glowing review. Awesome. He shed a single tear when he saw the Kurt Cobain quote. Yeah, totally. I remember that line from their biggest hit. And Kurt Nirvana. I'm looking at a Vice article about this, and there's a picture captioned crumbling details from the grounds. And then there's a Greek marble statue <laughs> on the ground with its head and its limbs cut off. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? Why I, is that happening at Hard Rock Cafe or Hard Rock <laughs> Park? Is it after the park closed? Like, because I think this park has been like. Why been, did they have that? Just abandoned. Well, why did they have the Greek statues? A good question. <laughs> it's like a like a replica of Donatello. Or I was something. gonna hope it was like, an Ozymandias statue. They built a fresh yeah. Ozymandias so that it could crumble like the the classic one. That's right. Look upon my rockabilly barbecue, you mighty. Yeah. <laughs> They had people in costumes, I guess. People in just big bear costumes. What? Oh, I thought it was going to be like Mick Jagger or something. Costume. That would be cool. It's, yeah, it's, I don't know how to describe these bears. Like really shitty bear costumes. 
<laughs> and they just have big fake guitars. And they're just walking around. And it's not like Disneyland where it's Mickey Mouse or Goofy or whatever and you recognize them. It's just a bear with a guitar. <laughs> I don't know him. <laughs> I, I feel like so many of these ideas are just like these half-baked kind of brainstorming sessions, probably like coke field brainstorming sessions where like they come up with like just a shitty idea and then they and then they dumped I mean this millions and millions of dollars into them. There was just no no quality control. We should let like investment banker guys design everything all the time, I think. They're the smartest people. They have the most money. It's very funny that the Led Zeppelin ride goes over a lagoon close to the water. And they really should have put the the fish legend in there. Yeah. <laughs> Where, Someone's like, like fucking it while you. Uh, yeah, like by. the the card on the coaster is like a woman's spread legs, and then you go in the water and there's a big fish that goes into it. Yeah. Led Zeppelin style. You got to honor the band mythology. Because exactly. other than that, what does this have to do with Led Zeppelin? I'm looking at it. Led Zeppelin, the ride. Well, they had a song called "The Ocean." That's true. It's that's, just isn't that that song is in either like thirteen eight or fifteen eight or so. I'd have to listen to it, but the ride, the roller coaster should like move in like a really. Uh, it should move in rhythm with that weird time signature. <laughs> Did they just have the songs playing? I guess that was it. Yeah, yeah. At least from the footage that I saw, like uh, the song would just play on a loop. Cool. Damn, it would suck to fucking work there, man. Yeah, I was but just whirling all around I mean, you got the laid speakers. Off two years in a row, but. Yeah. Oh, that was another big thing about the park that I learned from the weird, obsessive uh, ride, like uh, theme park guys' video feed was uh, was that they were really proud of the speakers at the park, and their logic was like at most theme parks, speakers are hidden. Uh, you know, they're hidden away, and and you don't know where the sound is coming from. Right? This is just music. But because this is a rock and roll theme park. They wanted to draw attention to the public address speakers, so they built these huge fucking stacks <laughs> that they put all over the park, God. just like super loud, super heavy, very big. So stupid. That's so much money for nothing. They should have at least got like actual amps to do that, and you could walk by and like turn up the tremolo on the amp or something. Yeah, yeah. Remix, remix whatever's coming out. Yeah. The, the, the park was almost sold to a Christian nonprofit arts group uh, called Abiding Village. It's Praiseland. Yeah, Praiseland, totally. They wanted to turn uh, the park into Praiseland, basically, an education and enter entertainment complex. But they, they could not come up with the capital to buy it off the, uh, at that point, I think a Russian investment company owned, like all of the property. Praiseland was kind of cool with the gas leak. Yeah. They man. should find a way to make something like that where it's a religious park, but then you, uh, you take DMT or something. So you think it's all real. You, 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 you sign away all your legal liability. If you, if you jump off the roller coaster at the top, because yeah. you're fighting some sort of robot. <laughs> exactly. You just have to sign a very, very big, uh, waiver when you go in. Just aerosolized LSD. Oh, this one's like apropos of nothing, but uh, when they changed ownership in between the two years it was open, the new owners decided that the Hard Rock name wasn't family-friendly enough, 
So the bank- bankruptcy re- court required all the hard rock merchandise to be destroyed. <laughs> Imagining like a like the classic like disco record day thing yeah, the White bonfire. Sox had where they burned all the records. Yeah, just a bonfire of hard rock merchandise at the theme park. Yeah, in the amphitheater on the stage. It's just people standing around hooting. They should have had the Eagles and Moody Blues come back for the second year and have them oversee like a show where they're just burning all their own merchandise from the last year. <laughs> they had a fake Abbey Road crossing. Yes. That you could take uh, your that's picture the in front of. cheapest, easiest thing to make, too. Like, oh, let's just have a guy fucking paint the street crossing. <laughs> yeah, it's just, they just it's painted the street crossing, and then there's a giant uh, print behind it of just the top half of the album cover. So fucking dumb, man. Like, it's lame enough already to take that picture in England. But to do it in Myrtle Beach, South, Car- Myrtle Beach, South Carolina... On the fake one where it's just you're standing in front of the album cover blown up. That's so bad. That sucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to see why they were getting so many uh, intellectual property suits against them, you know? Like, I, I feel like the more desperate they got and the more stuff they added, uh, they probably didn't clear, like, Abbey Road, you know? No, Absolutely. I don't think the Beatles signed off on this. Should we talk about the um, about the financial backing of uh, the Steam Park? <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. There's another rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to spend too long in the rabbit hole, but... Um, so the, the... It was us. We used the Patreon money to make this. Yeah. We're sorry. <laughs> We're really sorry. Uh, we don't have any money left. No one can get their money back. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the, the backers of this park... Uh, were Africa Israel Investments, which is a like diversified holding company that started its life uh, in 1934, and it was basically a way for uh, Jewish investors from South Africa to invest in uh, Yishuv, like like pre-Israel sort of Jewish settlements. And, uh, you know, a lot of the capital came from diamonds. It was eventually bought by this guy, Lev Leviev, who is, a, a, I think he's from Uzbekistan. He's an Uzbek. That's a street fighter name. Yeah, Lev, uh, <laughs> what's his middle name? Lev Avernovich Leviev. So he, he, he grows up in Uzbekistan, moves uh, to Israel in 1971, joins the military, and eventually buys uh, Israel Africa, the, the, the holding company, and uses his connections in the IDF to start moving diamonds from Angola uh, into Israel. And after when the Soviet Union falls apart, he um, partners up with uh, Chabad, uh, Chabad, like the Chabad Lubavitch sect, and a few oligarchs and you know they he and his pals basically do some looting of uh state property and this sort of libertarian like orgy of uh economic violence that happened after communism fell um yeah and then he invests in this theme park (laughs) With the help of his friends, but uh, yeah, it's great. At the exact time they were investing in this theme park, is when they were uh, investing in like building Israeli settlements on the West Bank. Yeah, and a private prison as well <laughs> in Israel. 
And uh, yeah, it's good stuff right there. Oh, they're even singled out by the BDS movement as like a shady company. They should make a rock and roll themed settlement <laughs> where they all have rockabilly yeah. clothes. <laughs> You're totally right. They Just have drive-throughs. Drive-through yeah, movie theaters and like the restaurants with the roller rink, the roller, However uh, roller standing waitresses. You think capitalism is right now? There's always another step for it to go to, and I think that's the next like logical step from here that's going to happen in like absolutely. Two years. There should be a Disney settlement. Yeah. 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 Exactly, dude. That is like that's like dystopian, but it's just real life at this point. It's you know, like, I could completely imagine that in like two years. Mm-hmm. All the mascots are armed. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Universe, well, they gotta protect Marvel themselves. Universe settlement, Wakanda too. You already have Gal Gadot. It's not that far of a leap. Yeah. Well, this. Uh, yeah, that's the bridge. This theme park was like the beginning of uh, like a, a sort of continuing series of, of very bad times in uh, Lev's life. Like like I wouldn't exactly call it bad luck because I think he brought you know he obviously brought a lot of this on himself, but um, the theme park sort of failing and it's like legal trials and tribulations to like 2013 uh, seems to mirror like a general sort of decline for his business. And in 2016, Africa Israel Investments uh, basically was in, was in debt court in Israel. And he went on television and said, uh, quote, I shit on every bank. They haven't been able to make, uh, make me move a centimeter because I don't owe any of them any money to no bank in the world. I piss on every bank from above. So cool. Yeah. I can't disagree with that. And then two years later, his sons, uh, Zevelin and Moisha, would be arrested in Tel Aviv for illegal diamond smuggling to Russia from Angola through Israel. So, yeah, that's kind of the end of that saga, but... But hey, they did some good work. Yeah, all of his connections. Uh, he he had a lot of real estate connections uh, with Russian investors too. So a lot of these partnerships uh, basically resulted in the theme park, the theme park's future being kind of batted around by different Russian oligarchs, which is kind of funny too. <laughs> <laughs> I think eventually, though, it basically. I don't know if anyone has actually bought the land currently like i think the city like reclaimed the land pretty sure um but a lot of those rides unfortunately for the future um israeli settlement of hard rock cafe land uh, a lot of the rides ended up in vietnam yeah in some place called <laughs> dragon's so, run so fucking funny the boomer dream of the 60s gets shipped off to da nang Literally. Yeah. <laughs> the history repeats itself in the dumbest way possible. Some of the rides made it to Canada. Yeah. Only a handful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the rides are in Nelson, British Columbia right now. Uh, they have uh, third wave coffee shops, vegan lunch counters. <laughs> but yeah, just the fact that a lot of the rides ended up in Da Nang is uh, just a great communism wins again, you know? Yeah, is there a Jim Morrison ride? There, uh, I didn't see one anyway. It would be if a, they brought a Jim Morrison ride to Vietnam, that would be the perfect end cap to the whole Vietnam story. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Just uh, sitting, also, dude, how are they so- sitting on a fucking oil platform in the Gulf of Tonkin, uh, a giant uh, paper mache Jim Mor- Morrison head, <laughs> Jim Morrison bumper cars. <laughs> like, even from just thinking about this for five seconds, it's like. 
the fact that they had that stupid bear mascot. You could have just had like a Lizard King Jim Jim Morrison thing that wasn't protected by intellectual property that actually tied into something, you know? Like, it takes like five seconds to think of better mascots for them. Yeah. It could have been so easy. They could have had a giant, they could have had giant eagles, you know? Like the eagles as anthropomorphic giant eagles. Or they could have had some moody blues like in the Simpsons uh, when they go to the Duff Gardens and there's like Surly and all the different like emotions you feel when you're drunk. They just had the moody blues, like the sad blues guy mm-hmm. and the happy blues guy. They're the moody blues. <laughs> Those guys were desperate enough to play there once. They'd sign on to anything. Why are they still together? That's embarrassing. The moody blues? Yeah. Yeah. Are they still playing out? I don't know. I don't know. The fact that it was 10 years ago means like anything could have happened since then. Like how old are they? They got to be like 70 plus easily. Well, I got to... Uh, this is interesting. So where the where a lot of the rides are now, which is Dragon Park Ha Long in uh, just outside of Da Nang, is the biggest theme park in Southeast Asia and one of the most financially successful. Oh, so the, hey, those those uh, they found a forever home with those rides. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have something called the Crazy Crane, which is a giant toucan's head that goes up and down. That actually mimics another larger cultural narrative that uh, the rise of Asia and the decline of the U.S. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good for those rides for getting out there. Yeah, ahead the of the curve. The last studio album by the Moody Blues is a Christmas album in 2003. <laughs> Man, that sucks. But I guess they're just still touring? Yeah, they're still active. What are they even playing? Like, they're just... Uh, well, they're playing totally open about just playing the old hits. They're playing Nights in White Satin, and I mean, does anybody know another Moody Blues song? Is a whiter Your Wildest Dreams? Whiter Shade of Pale is that the Moody Blues? That was uh, Pro Call Harem. That's okay. a much better song. Yeah, yeah. I think if the Moody Blues get on Twitter and start talking shit on Donald Trump, they're gonna lose their last fans who are still coming to see him. Oh hell yeah. They should go off. What do they have to lose? They should just be pro QAnon and then double their audience among all the old people who are their fans and then you'll be good to go. They're going to go out on a high note. Nights and white pizza, you know? But yeah, I guess uh, for the rides that escaped, they found a good life. For all the artists who stupidly invested in being part of that park, they just need to get on Twitter and... Uh, become pro QAnon guys so they can capitalize on these this audience that's lost all their rock heroes in the last year. You can make a lot of money if you were adjacent to Hollywood in some way. If you were some band like Hoobastank or whatever that was like at the American Music Awards one year and you could say, I saw uh, Tom Hanks having sex with a baby and... <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. I... He looked at me and then I ran away and that's how I know it's real. My pick to be those guys is the Moody Blues. And if they're listening to this right now, they're probably very confused because they don't know what a podcast is, but I would wholeheartedly implore them to do that. They're very confused in general. That's your last chance, fellas. It's that or you get shipped off to Da Nang. Those are your two choices. (laughs) Yeah, to go ride your own ride. It was a story of big hopes, uh, big dreams, and and a surprisingly happy ending for some of those rides. High, high hopes. Highest of hopes. Rock and roll will never die. Kurt Cobain slash Nirvana. They got those long, long legs and those long, long thighs and...